Men of honor, strength, and integrity have long been essential in society. The Honorable Man Podcast is a celebration of such men. Here, we will discuss men in history and those today that exemplify what it means to be an honorable man. Let's go. All right, let's go. I am Ed Jones, and welcome to the Honorable Man Podcast, a podcast dedicated to men who've chosen the path of honor, strength, and integrity. If you're looking to become a better man, you've come to the right place. Uh, welcome to the listener, first of all. I uh, hope everybody is doing well out there. Hope everybody is healthy, wealthy, and wise. Uh, Baron Tim Hickey, how you doing today, brother? Doing pretty good. Just rolling back in from Las Vegas, so bear with me. I might be, miss- <laughs> I might be misfiring a little bit, but uh, I am back to reality in Northeast Ohio. So how about yeah, you, producer time, Bill? How you doing, brother? I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm doing a uh, shot better than Tim McGraw and trying to act against uh, Sam Elliott in 1883. You want to try that again? <laughs> that was a very specific analogy. We, we, my, my fiance and I just did a binge of 1883. Are you up to speed? Uh, yeah. You watched all five episodes? Fantastic. Yeah. So, but yeah, but Tim McGraw can't hold his own against Sam Elliott. So. Well, you notice they, they've made him a very stoic, not talking a lot character. Yes. Which is probably by Perfect choice, but I think him. he's doing fine. I think he's doing fine. Um, guys, I'm in a great mood. I'm healthy. Uh, the whole family just got over about a COVID that we're going to talk at some point down the road. Knocked it out in two days, but we'll, again, we'll talk about that down the road. I'm in a great mood. It is uh, January-ish, late January. I've been. I'm still hitting all my uh, New Year's resolutions. How are you guys doing on the? First of all, did we set New Year's resolutions, guys? Well, I used um, something that we did on this show, and I've been doing the intermittent fasting. So I'm proud to report that I weighed in this morning at 188 pounds. Um, I'm back to fighting weight. That's uh, I got out of the Marine Corps at 185 pounds. Uh, I got up to last year up to 225. So you were 225 pounds. Yeah, yeah, oh, I was. Oh, and half of that oh. was beard. <laughs> yeah, beard, beard and beard, beer, beard and beer. But uh, hey, that intermittent fasting stuff seems to work. Work, uh, for me, so Fantastic. Um, good for you. So man. yeah, I have taken a tool from the show and implemented it successfully. So we're all about yeah. useful information. I didn't make any resolution. I just um, I, I wanted to uh, try to get healthier due to COVID. Um, yeah. You know uh, that that obesity rate has a pretty strong effect on the fatality rate with COVID. So I'm um, making sure that I can talk smack when I uh, <laughs> when I yeah, say right? the, the yeah. steps that I've yeah. taken to. If you're going to talk the talk, you better walk yeah, the walk. How about exactly. you, Bill? Any New Year's resolutions? The one I've been really trying to take to heart is uh, in regards to morning routine and meditation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I had to take a little bit of my own advice because I bet I found with the new position I've accepted this year that I don't have the time in the morning I used to try to set aside. So what mm-hmm. I've been doing is implementing that in the afternoon. And I've been finding it's actually more effective because I'm not as groggy and, you know, I'm kind of the, the two pots of coffee finally kicked in and I'm actually mm-hmm. more coherent. So. Good. Glad to hear you guys are actually taking some of the stuff that we've talked about and implementing it. And I hope that uh, guys out there that are listening in podcast world are, are, are doing the same and uh, to, uh, to a great benefit, I'm sure. I'm not just a producer. I'm also a listener. True. Hey, there we go. Me but too. It, thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. As, as far as me, as far as it goes with me, I've uh, you know the visualization has really been working well for me. Uh, the three things that I'm just repeating every every morning after I do a little bit of meditation um, have have really been. Um, 
successful so far as far as positive mindset and those types of things. I do want to make an announcement, though. Here we go. So Ben and Shandy are visiting us again this week. Four-legged furry friends. Yes, they're they're those show mascots. So if you do hear anything, (laughs) it's just them chilling with us. They're our guard dogs. And uh, overall, I like dogs more than people, so they're very welcome guests in in our studio today. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I get more bummed out lately when I hear a dog pass than although Meatloaf pass, and that, that... that wow, got me. Lots of people dropping lately. That's yeah, Milo sure. and Louie Anderson, two titans, literally. Oh, um, you know, Tim just got back from Vegas. I just got back from Florida. Me and the me and my beautiful missus were down there. I went down there Thursday, Friday for work. We spent the weekend in Clearwater, and Florida is banging, man. Oh yeah, so people are alive. We went into one restaurant in um, Clearwater Beach. It wasn't really a restaurant; it's more of a bar where the staff was wearing masks. Mm. Other than that wide open. It was fantastic. Everybody's in a good mood. You know, it was 78 degrees when we got there Thursday, Friday. It was 55 Saturday and Sunday, but even that 55 is... 55 degrees yeah. warmer than it is here at home. It may, uh, it was fantastic. It definitely makes uh, coming back to Northeast oh, Ohio. Back to a blizzard I too. drove, so that was a 30 hour drive. And, you know, <laughs> I, I left in a t shirt and I get home to a snowstorm. But Vegas was the same way. You know, um, Vegas has a governor issued mask mandate. Um, the way around it is simply do not comply. I was stopped like maybe four times and they're like, sir, you need to wear a mask. And I smiled and nodded, acted like I was reaching in my pocket and kept walking. I didn't sure. put a mask on one time. And um, somehow, by a miracle, uh, I'm still alive so far. Anyway, so, um, yeah, well, do not comply. You, yes, amen. Well, while you guys are out gallivanting, someone's home to Fort Down, so you're welcome. <laughs> Producer Bill stayed here in Ohio and made sure that everything was fine. And yeah, I freeze my balls off. Balls. All right. All right. Uh, this episode's quote, Mr. Hickey, is? This one comes to you by way of Samuel Adams. It does not take a majority to prevail but rather an irate, tireless minority keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. That's fantastic, man. That is, you know, we're going to... we're going to talk a little bit more about Sam Adams here in a second, and, and after that, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to read about five or six of his quotes because, in putting together the show doc, it was hard to pick one quote for him, from him, I should say. He's. I'm, I'm sure it's, <laughs> it's in just there, a but my, my favorite quote of his is uh, about getting in, in the animated contest of liberty. Mm-hmm. I mean, God Almighty, dude! Ta- him and Thomas Paine and Patrick Henry, who we've spoke about in previous episodes, those three guys just. You know, and then John Adams, second president, was his uh, brother. Cousin. Cousin. Yes, Cousin. thank Cousin. you. Tim, what does, that, what does that mean to you? It does not take a majority to prevail. Well, it means, it, you know, just because we're getting shouted down and, and one side gets the, the spotlight, if we're consistent, if we're continuing to speak out and send our messages and our, our stances on freedom and where we're at, it doesn't take all those people. And, you know, um, through that whole three percent or stuff, you know that's uh, not an accurate portrayal of history. Is literally like, it was more like twenty percent or somewhere in there that um, fought in that war. But <clears throat> it doesn't take a lot. It just takes strong voices that that will not be silenced. So we're setting little brush fires in every every turn. You never know whose ear or mind you are capturing when you you start to speak the truth and get people to wake up. So continue to send out those little brush fires. And, that's and what this podcast is, right? Yeah, and that's I mean you know, I know we're focused we're on do. helping guys become honorable, live honorable, strength, integrity, 
you know, walk the path of those things of righteousness. And we're, we're hopefully setting little brush fires in each and every one of you guys out there that hopefully there's something in each one of these episodes that you can take away, to, you know, actionable information. That's what it's about. Taking the information and turning it into action and becoming a better man. And, and we need more, right? We need more. Amen. So Sam Adams, founding father Samuel Adams was a thorn in the side of the British in the years before the American Revolution. As a political activist and state legislator, he spoke out against British tax, British efforts to tax the colonists and pressured merchants to boycott British products. He also was an important leader of the, in the Sons of Liberty, a radical group that engaged in violent civil dis- disobedience and retaliation against those who cooperated with the British. Additionally, as a writer, Adams was a skillful propagandist, churning out scores of newspaper articles, pamphlets, and letters to promote resistance to British rule. In fact, while George Washington led the American colonists to victory in the Revolutionary War, there might not have been a revolution at all if it weren't for provocateurs such as Samuel Adams. Adams and other firebrands helped push moderate colonial leaders into joining in the resistance against the British, which eventually led to the war. But Adams wasn't just a rabble-rouser. He was also a serious political theorist who championed the notion of individual rights, which became a core American value. During the Revolutionary War, Adams served in the Continental Congress and helped draft the Articles of Confederation, which was the document that was the predecessor of the U.S. Constitution. So Adams was born in Boston September 27, 1722, to an affluent Puritan family. His father, Samuel Adams Sr., was a prominent local merchant and religious deacon who, who was also active in local politics. His mother, Mary Adams, was the daughter of a local businessman. Um, Adams attended Boston Latin School and then went to Harvard. It was there that Adams was introduced to the writings of John Locke, a philosopher in the Enlightenment who argued that all people were born with certain rights that could not be taken away, and that governments exist by the consent of the people. That idea made a powerful impression upon Adams, who wrote his 1743 master's degree thesis at Harvard on the legality of resisting British authority. Pretty good for a bartender. (laughs) (laughs) And he had time to make uh, summer wheat, which is my wife's favorite uh, favorite beer. (laughs) No, but I mean, think about that. 1743... He wrote his thesis on the legality of of resisting British authority. That's insane. Yeah, and, and even when you talk about John Locke being such an inspiration, not only to him but other founders and philosophers of their their contemporaries, he's that's yeah, that's nothing but impressive. So uh, after after Adam's father passed away, he inherited the family business of making malted barley and supplying it to brewers. He also may have tried his hand at brewing, judging from a 1751 newspaper advertisement advertisement in which he offered quote strong beer or malt for those who inclined to brew it themselves to be sold by Samuel Adams at a reasonable rate unquote. But Adams wasn't very good at running the business and eventually went bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> he was similarly unsuccessful as a city tax collector, performing his duties so ineptly that his ledgers came up short by thousands of pounds. <laughs> that, that's a reoccurring theme with a lot of these founding fathers, right? They tried things, they tried things, they yeah. failed, they failed multiple times, multiple times until they finally hit their stride and, yeah. and just uh, stirring up some shit. Who's to say what the Almighty creates one for? So. Right, right. You know, you never know when you're going to find your path, right? Or your your vision is going to uh, come become clear for you. So, though Adams wasn't very good with money, he was a good writer. He and some friends started their short-lived newspaper, The Public Ad- Advertiser, which published Adams' opinion pieces. He used that opportunity to exhort other Bostonians to cherish and protect their personal freedom. Adams' voice became more prominent in the mid-1760s when the British government tried to pay off debt from the Seven Years' War by imposing new taxes upon the American colonists. 
While others merely grumbled about the economic harm, Adams argued in print that the British were violating the colonists' rights because they were being taxed without representation in Parliament. He denounced the Stamp Act, a 1765 tax law, as an attempt to, quote, destroy the liberties of America as, one, as with one blow, unquote. So while the majority of people were sitting back, pissing and moaning, Adams actually got in the arena, got in the arena, yes. so to speak, yes. and put pen to paper and made his made his uh, his thoughts and opinions known, knowing full well that that would bring him under the microscope of, of British rule. Yeah. That same year, Adams was elected to the Massachusetts House of Representatives, an office he would hold for nine years. Around that time, he also joined a secretive group of activists called the Loyal Nine, who we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Which eventually involved, which eventually evolved into a more radical organization called the Sons of Liberty. When British troops arrived in Boston in 1768, Adams became more heavily involved in organizing resistance against the Crown. He wrote scores of newspaper articles under pen names attacking the British. He also pr- pressured British, I'm sorry, Boston merchants to boycott British goods. After the British Parliament passed the Tea Act in 1773, which sought to force the colonists to buy their tea from the British East India Company, Adams helped organize Bostonians to hinder the tea shipments. I think you guys know where I'm going with this. <laughs> One group of resistors took matters even further, dressing up as Indian warriors and boarding several British ships to dump their tea in what become known as and what became known as the Boston Tea Party. Adams, who may have played a role in planning the event, afterward he praised it publicly, writing that the protesters, quote, have acted upon pure and upright principle, unquote. That seems racist to me. That's cultural appropriation. <laughs> so we all know where this ends up, right? Eventually, uh, folks like Adams and, and, and his lot raise the ire of the colonists enough to, to actually stand up and, and be heard and eventually go to, to war uh, against Britain and, and ultimately uh, win independence. Yeah. But I mean, the guy—the guy put his money where his mouth was, and, and you know, he was a well-known Bostonian from a well-known family, uh, who again wrote his master's thesis in 1743 on, on the legality of, of, um, of fighting uh, British rule. And it's just, you know, guys like this—how how could you not have uh, joined that cause back then? Well, and where are those guys today? Well, they're dead, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just nah. visited some of the tombs last autumn. But, um... Oh, Bill, Bill, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where is the spirit of the guys like Samuel Adams and Thomas go. Payne and all those guys that we've studied? Uh, where, where is that today? Where, 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 well, you know, I, like I think part of it's in this room. The spirit lives on. Like we, um, we in this room, and, and many of our listeners out there are prone to stand up and start to speak out. And really, what we're doing here. Um, in modern times, is no not a whole lot different than what was going on back then. It was just a, a different yeah. government. You know, we've really become what our founding fathers and people like Samuel Adams were escaping when they escaped the crown and started to speak up against it. Like we, we're reaching that point where we're at now, and it, it just takes more people. So we have to draw inspiration from people throughout our history, um, which is a big reason why they, they try to um, muddy history and tear down statues and all that, uh, so that we're, we're not drawing those comparisons and standing up to the government like we should be now. Um, that, that I wish we had Sam Adams 
uh, today, but you know we have Tim, Bill, and Ed. That's a start. Um, sorry, we have sorry, guys. true. <laughs> true. No, I agree. That's, it's Agreed. a start, though. It's um, it, but again, it's setting those brush fires, and and that's snowball effect. Mm. Um, kind of led to where he was at, uh, and getting other people to stand up and join him. Um, in the. I, I think one of the things that shouldn't be overlooked, and, and I'm going to say this, and I, you know, I've said this on our podcast a number of times, is that where we're at with things, I think the reason we can look at gentlemen like Sam Adams or, for me, Patrick Henry, obviously Thomas Paine we've talked about, who were able to, whether with Samuel Adams and Thomas Paine, be writers, or in Patrick Henry's case, be in order, the power of the word... The power of the message cannot be understated because I personally am under the conviction that right now that is the most important uh, weapon that we have to inspire, to provoke thought, to have people contend with the idea, is freedom really worth whatever price? And I think that as long as there are certain people, certain gentlemen, certain women who are pointing that finger to the past of gentlemen like Sam Adams and so on and so forth, we need to utilize the power of the word, the power of message, the power of thought. Well, you before, yeah, I agree yeah. 100%. And you can tell how powerful words are by the very fact that they're trying to censor Oh, absolutely. Conservatives well, and I'm right thinking, now. And I'm even thinking more succinctly with, and I don't know if this is going to get us censored or not, so sorry, but I'm even thinking more uh, with this Jan 6 BS that's going on. You know, they're trying to catch and provoke people into retaliating violently, and I think these yeah. words that p these gentlemen used spoke first to spirits, hearts, and minds before anything happened. And, and I think that's where we need to walk in their footstep and, you know, start those brush fires of liberty. No, and we have a, you know, a much broader tool um, afforded to us. Um, think about it was very difficult to get the message out. Um, back then and, and the way that he was able to inspire enough of an uprising where you know they were able to um, facilitate that Boston Tea Party but we have uh, social media and communication where you know we have a much 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 larger audience which is why it's more and more important for us to speak up now than even it was back then um, because we can hit a much broader audience and it, it's very important for anybody out there you know <clears throat> If you have something to say, your silence becomes a lie. Everybody out there listening can see what's going on. And the, the problem is it's only a small percentage right now that are continually speaking up and calling bullshit on most of um, the stuff and the tyranny that is being inflicted upon us through our own government at this point. Um, so, you know, we're all Samuel Adams. We all have the same opportunity uh, to, to inspire those around us today. So keep on keeping on and keep on speaking out and um, hopefully well, it, we can. And practice small acts of civil disobedience. Bec mm, for yes. example, I, in Florida, this every time we landed and walked through the airport, I, d I did not wear a mask. And that was three different airports, and not a single person said a word to me. And I, I probably saw less than five people without masks on. Um, but nobody said a word to me. So just small acts of civil dis disobedience go a long way because you never know who you're going to inspire. Um, something I want to do a little different, uh, we haven't done this yet, is, like I said, Sam Adams has so many badass quotes, I wanted to, <laughs> to share a few, just read them, and then kind of digest and, um, and talk about them. So here, here's one of the ones that, that I love. If ye love wealth better than liberty, the tranquility of servitude, than the animated contest of freedom, 
Go home from us in peace. We ask not your counsels or arms. Crouch down and lick the hands which feed you. May your chains sit lightly upon you, and may posterity forget that you were our countrymen. So that's him talking to people that didn't want to get involved, right? He's being nice. Yeah, he's being real nice. He's being real nice. Kind of him. I Depart have, from our company. <laughs> yeah. I don't um, have the, the same kindness when I feel that people are, you know, only chasing a dollar, and uh, and that's exactly what happens, though. It's like, man, you're going to take a knee because you're afraid of the repercussions just based on the value of a dollar. And um, But if, if that's you, like, hey, go home. We're not even wishing bad things about you, but we need real men up here and real men that believe in liberty and freedom to stand up in it. If that's not you, fine. Hey, we can do it on our own um, with the right people. But I, I think I said this in a previous show, but if you're not willing to stand up now with yeah. everything, all the encroachments on our civil liberties, if you're not willing to stand up now... When are you? When they're knocking on your door and asking to take, mm. asking for your papers, your vaccine passport, or wanting to take away your guns? At that point, Paul, it's too late. Yeah. It's too late. Exactly. If you haven't stood up before, then you're not going to stand up at that point. Which goes back to my point with all this saber rattling about we got the Second Amendment. Well, if you aren't utilizing the first, I doubt seriously if you're going to use the second. You know, I think so many people are relying on others to fight the battle for them. I had them. this conversation today. Yeah. I had yeah. this conversation They're today. absolutely relying like, on others. Every, all of us are waiting for, not necessarily all of us, but in mass, everybody's waiting for somebody to do something. Yeah. Where is it? And then... Why not you? Yeah, exactly. Why, why not you? And, and that, that's something, you know, different that we had back with um, the Samuel Adams and the Thomas Paines and Patrick Henry's is there was a strong voice leading that movement. And that's kind of what we're missing today. Instead, though, we got, you know, thousands of smaller voices that can equal one large voice if we all uh, continue to do and to speak out. But yeah, if, if not us then who we're the ones we've been waiting for like all of us everybody listening you're the one you've been waiting for it just uh takes you to stand up and and get a little bit louder and make sure that our liberties and our freedom aren't slipping away here's another one and this this ties in nicely to that this conversation it is in the interest of tyrants to reduce the people to ignorance and vice for they can't they cannot live in any country where virtue and knowledge prevail. Tyrants cannot live in any country where virtue and knowledge prevail. So that's that's been the goal forever, right? Is to reduce what I was gonna say when you were just talking. Those guys stood up in seventeen sixty five. Life was hard then. Yeah, <laughs> life yeah, life was. was life wasn't gonna get too much easier even if they got you know, life life was hard back then. It was brutal. Brutal. Life is so easy right now. People are just the dopamine responses that you get from looking at your phone every five seconds, Netflix and chill, by and large foods readily available. Although, <laughs> I mean, so they've 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 succeeded in make, making us fat, drunk, and lazy, fat, drunk, and stupid. And I don't want to be the one that goes out there on the battlefield and gives up my creature comforts. Speaking in the metaphorical uh, me. Um, that's where a lot of people are right now. No, and yeah, if you read um, the WikiLeaks, one of the things that I believe it was Robbie Mook Clinton's, uh, it might not have been him, so I don't want to misquote that, but what they're aiming for is an ignorant and complacent citizenry. 100%. And, you know, that they've achieved that goal. They've achieved that goal by feeding the narratives through the media um, to a somewhat lazy society who is too lazy to go out and do their own research. And they kind of want everything spoon-fed to us now. And, um, 
<clears throat> that's how tyrants are able to rule. They they preach the divisiveness, so we're too busy arguing with other citizens to realize that who the actual um, enemy in, uh, of freedom has become. And there are 500 more billionaires since COVID started. Oh, yeah. They, 500 more billionaires. And the look, I just read, like, the top 7%, like, almost doubled their... There's, there's a... There's yeah, a uh, one, the I think you said it's like $1.4 trillion wealth transfer. Yeah, largest wealth transfer in, in history and what's it going to take for people to realize that when they're forcing closed all these small businesses but Walmart's open Amazon, and Target's yeah. open Amazon's open so it's a you know it's the rich get richer but they're snuffing out the small businesses you have to be smart enough to see through the narrative people and, and I think that um you know at least our listeners anybody who is listening uh, to this show I think they are smart enough but really what my biggest question is like what makes us different what makes us have the ability to see through this when others can't. Like it's like they're under a spell. I walk around, and I want to freaking shake people. Like wake up, wake up. And um, but that's where we're at. It's like man. You know what's interesting is on our podcast, the Flawcast CLE, we've been discussing that this year. We actually literally the episode that's going to come out this week is talking about that huge transfer of wealth. Ben, I have my degree in communications and also in English. However, one of the things in journalism school we learn is where, why, how, and when. Just asking simple questions about anything, any situation, is going to hopefully lead you in a path to be able to try to begin to self-think, to you know get off the get out of the matrix, if you will. But I I believe that we've been programmed how, or I'm sorry, what to think, not how to think. I believe you know when, Tim, as you're talking, uh, one of the things, a couple of the things that came to me was you know. Um, cause I'm that guy, you know, the Bible says that, you know, if God is for you, who can be against you? So you plus the almighty is the majority. However, we need to realize that there is a spiritual thing happening where people are blinded and dumbed down by the evil. And when I say evil and it's, it's coming out like pedophilism and, uh, all this other nonsense, you know, the Jazeem Maxwell Judas goat case just closed and, there is evil happening, and, and when a society historically removed the spiritual aspect, when a society historically has started to go that and trend in that way, their collapse was not far behind. And I personally believe we're not, we're in that zone. We're, we're there, you know? Yeah, 100%. If you don't believe evil exists, um, I guess I need on a couple rabbit holes, but the whole Maxwell Epstein thing is, is proof positive that evil exists. Here's another one from Mr. Adams. If ever a time should come when vain and aspiring men shall possess the highest seats in government, our country will stand in need of its experienced patriots to prevent its ruin. No, oh, holy shit. That's um, where we're at. You know, most of the people that are in government have become career politicians, and they, they seek that attention and authority. And you see people like Swalwell always in front of a microphone. Farts well, the Chinese <laughs> treason um, tool from California. But these are the people that in that we now have in charge of us that seek fame and fortune. They're not seeking what's best for we the people anymore. So holy, holy cow! Like Samuel Adams hit that right on the head. It's like he he could see this coming. You know, two two hundred plus years ago. The, the founding fathers did so much research and study of Western civilization and all the great uh, empires that existed, and they crafted the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence around what they knew worked and didn't work. And 
All we got to do is get back to the Constitution. That's it. Yep. Just get back to the Constitution, yeah. and we will be we'd be so much. Here's another one. It's, this is a good one. It is no dishonor to be in a minority in the cause of liberty and virtue. Well, I don't feel like there is any dishonor. Um, so that that's that's a hundred percent accurate. And you know, but they'll the opposing side. Um, they want you to feel like. It, that there is some sort of dishonor. Um, the people who attended January 6th, um, you know, 99.9% of those were actual amazing patriotic citizens. Um, there was a very small percentage that uh, the debate is open on whose side they were on to begin with, but they, one thing. Provocateur. <laughs> provocateurs, yeah. Um, Feds. <laughs> I think it was the FBI, but, um, but overall, you know, they, they want us to feel that we're isolated in our views and that we should be looked down upon for disagreeing with the narrative. And it's like, it feels like it's not even their words. They all use the same type of talking points to talk down when, when people stand up and say something. It's like, man, I got people I'm not even friends with on Facebook and, and stuff that comment on all my stuff. And it's like, I don't even know who you are, nor do I care what you have to say. But also, <laughs> like, you're not going to silence me. I don't come to my positions on a whim. You know what I mean? Like, I'm very solid in them. And if, if we all do that, um, then it, it doesn't matter what they try to say about us for speaking out. Um, we just, it, we become stronger. It's like every arrow you take, um, it, it strengthens you. So. Well, I, th I think there's also the idea of being resolute and stalwart. Mm. I find that to be lacking by many in our well, yeah, is that people take a knee to the rage mob, and that's that's something you can never do. Never, never, never bend a knee never, to the rage mob. You never mob. kneel to a bully. Nope. Because they're not going to stop. No, exactly. And Until you punch them in the head. Yep. Punch violence in the face. I have a patch for that. <laughs> you have a All right, guys. Great stuff on Samuel Adams. Yeah. Uh, guys, do some research. This guy is fantastic. Samuel Adams founding father is an amazing guy go do some research read up on him he's not taught we don't do him justice in our in our, in our educational system um do some research on sam adams and you'll be blown away by uh just what a firebrand the guy was all right as always we want to prepare for shit hitting the fan whether it is the zombie apocalypse or an emp or a nuclear disaster or whatever Shit hits the fan. We want to be prepared for it. My brother Tim is going to go over some uh, tips for being prepared. Tim, what do you got? Um, well, so the shit hits the fan has multiple survival meetings, but um, the acronym for this is SHTF. So anytime you guys see that or, or read that in any of our show notes, that's what we're referring to. So one of these... Um, so what I'm going to cover today is 10 realistic shit hits the fan survival situations that most people don't prepare or plan for. So the very first one, these are, now again, these are things that when we do have some sort sort of societal breakdown that you got to be thinking about, um, that we're going to lose a lot of the, the comforts that we have. And um, this isn't even, you know, a a governmental cause societal breakdown. This could be a natural disaster or anything along those lines where our society is not flowing up to uh, what we're used to. So very first one is no law enforcement. During an extreme, it's the fan scenario, it's very likely that law enforcement and emergency responders will be pretty hard to find. In fact, I'll go even further and say that they will become non-existent. 
Even in, during small-scale disasters, law enforcement officers often leave to take care of their own families first. And when things go bad, like empty grocery stores, no utilities, mass riots, violence, etc., you're more than likely going to have to take and defend, take care of and defend yourself. So can't rely on the cops. And, and obviously, um, if you live your life at this point relying on law enforcement to save you, you're going to be very disappointed. And um, so you always have to think about that. You're not going to be able to call 911 and have somebody respond immediately. Uh, number two is fake law enforcement. So in the SHTF scenario, you need to be on the lookout for everything, including people impersonating law enforcement and military personnel. During a cat catastrophic event, you will most likely see criminals preying on the innocent by pretending to be either police, firefighters, emergency personnel, or military officers. In fact, almost every time a natural disaster hits, we see criminals posing as some type of first responder in order to gain easy access to areas where they can take advantage of the situation and loot homes and businesses, etc. So be wary. If you do see law enforcement in, in this scenario, um, just make sure you're checking credentials and not just trusting anybody. Again, this is at societal breakdown points. Uh, number three on here is law enforcement and the military will try to take your guns. Uh, <laughs> General Honore? Send expendable men, is all I'm saying. Think it can't happen? It already has. In the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, New Orleans Police Superintendent Eddie Compass ordered all local law enforcement, including the U.S. Marshal's Office and the National Guard, to seize all civilian firearms. Without warrants, armed National Guard troops and New Orleans law enforcement officials forcibly confiscated over a thousand legal firearms from law-abiding citizens. The New Orleans guns confiscation should serve as a warning to how the government and law enforcement officials will react during a large-scale national disaster. So be aware of that. That's something I have <clears throat> some familiarity with. That's something we talked about on our podcast because General Honore, who is um, one of Biden's big go-to military guys, was actually running that operation back then. And one of the things that I find personally interesting is that and for those who are faith-based people or attend a church, back in that time, they actually recruited leaders of different systems of faith, pastors of parishes, priests, so on and so forth, to manipulate the scripture in Romans 13 in order for people to acquiescing and uh, giving up their weapons in order to protect themselves. And that's when people were pillaged and murdered and all you know rape yep. all this all this stuff so you know the no, and think about how this this covid response is going and, and who they have recruited to push the narrative of vaccines right. and all that stuff it, it's a much larger right. scale than new orleans you wouldn't be able to apply the um the initial uh Take the gun application right. across America, but you're seeing how it can, well. It's going to be like out. a Hunger Games scenario, region, yeah. right? Region, but 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 my larger point, even to bring that up, is General Honore, who is now part of it's. It. So these things are secular, and it it just be mindful. Yeah, and absolutely, I don't think that he was randomly chosen <laughs> for his position. So, no. um, so shit hits the fan. Personal safety issues. Uh, number four on this list: gangs and raiders. When things go bad, there will likely be more people who mean to do you harm than there will be people who are prepared. This is something that you must accept and learn to deal with. The fact is, most people have no idea 
what it really takes to survive. And once their safety net is removed, they will become increasingly desperate and unpredictable. Even your once jolly neighbor will become a threat when he is faced with surviving without knowledge or supplies. And you know, what's that? You know, everybody wants to be a warrior until it's time to do warrior shit. Um, a lot of people don't realize uh, what it actually takes um, to do some of these things. And, and then everybody becomes a threat. Once you go into full survival mode and you're out, you can't go to the grocery store, you can't get water. It's like, man, then everybody becomes somewhat of a threat. So be mindful of that and gangs and, and raiders and people who want to do you harm. Uh, number five, you need to be able to defend yourself. During an extreme emergency situation, the lunatics of the world are going to be roaming the streets looking for easy victims to target. If you're serious about survival, you'll need to train yourself in multiple self-defense styles and techniques. This means arming yourself with not only weapons, but also with the knowledge on how to defend yourself without them. So um, I say this all the time. I would much rather you go out, um, or I'd much rather you not have a firearm than have one and not be trained on it. So make sure that you're training, but firearms aren't the end all, be all in self-defense, obviously. Uh, I was just talking about this on the way home from Vegas. It's like, man, what happens when these people run out of ammo? I have some friends who have stockpiled like pallets of ammo. It's like, bro, you going to carry that? Like what happens when you have to leave your house and you're, you're fighting with six magazines of ammo. So you also have to be able to defend yourself. Go out and get a knife, you know, um, defend yourself with a knife, but do some sort of um, combat physical training to make sure that you are prepared to defend yourself if by chance, we uh, can't even get ammo. So, and that all starts with developing your situational awareness, um, how to protect yourself from violent mobs of criminals, and also be be wary surviving an active shooter situation. You know, um, we've all seen those take place on the news. And and when people uh, when SHTF happens, we're gonna have some literal insanity going on. So be aware of all those things. If you're thinking about them now, it's like the OODA loop theory. Um, if you're thinking about them now and thinking forward, uh, then then none of these situations will be a complete surprise. Even if you haven't mastered them, if you're prepared and aware that they're coming or could potentially be coming, then you have a leg up. Um, so sanitation issues, uh, this next part covers that. Number six, garbage will become a killer. This is another survival topic that's not often thought about or discussed, but it's one that will probably become one of the biggest problems you will face during any long-term disaster situation. If the gangs and criminals don't get you, the real danger might actually come from something you already have in your home, and that's garbage. You need to have a serious plan on how to deal with it and how to make sure your general sanitation doesn't become a threat. Um, that's definitely something a lot of people don't think about is uh, all, all the amenities that we enjoy, a garbage service, and what happens if you know um, the water treatment plants have a, a breakdown and we're not having running water and then the toilets in your house start to well, overflow. Look what's happened in New York City multiple times when the, all the, car the garbage collectors have gone on strike. Yeah. That shit piles up. Quick. And we are such Quick. a wasteful nation. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, think about how much garbage um, that we all produce on a day to day basis. So, something to, to keep an eye on and, and plan for, like, you can't just live in a home full of garbage and the sanitation becomes an issue. So, number seven on this list, you have to stock up on sanitation items. When planning to survive a long term disaster or collapse, one thing that's often overlooked is the danger associated with lack of adequate 
sat sanitation. Certainly not a pleasant thing to think about, but this is one issue that has the potential to kill more people than any other survival issue we can talk about. So um, san sanitation, sanitation, sanitation. And just look at the dark ages. Yeah, yeah, that was the, that's how uh, the bubonic plague spread, um, and, and it is that lack of sanitation. It's something you have to be cognizant of. You just can't become nasties living in your own filth. We still have to uh, maintain sanitation, and um, that helps us maintain our health. Um, <clears throat> the next section on this um, is mental and physical health issues. So number eight on the overall list, maintaining a positive mental attitude during a survival situation. Uh, as a Marine, this is embracing the suck is what they call it. So it's going to suck, but um, we'll all be in it together. So come closer to your brothers and your, your family, and um, you can share that positivity, embrace that suck, but the ability to maintain a positive mental attitude during a survival situation is something that needs to be taken seriously. It's also something that you need to start working on now before disaster strikes. Real quick, mm -hmm. that's why we talk about doing something hard every day, right? That's why I'm a big fan of, of cranking the, uh, the shower to absolute cold water in the morning because the the mind is just like anything else. I mean that that's what you see at that uh, the Navy SEALs buds training is those guys they're teaching those guys to embrace the suck by yeah. having them sit in the fr frigid ocean yeah, and absolutely. just get beat up by sand and salt water. Do something hard every day, build your uh your your strength of character, your strength of moral fiber so that you can do the things that are necessary when 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 they're necessary. And, and definitely and um you know that that for all military people that are listening, you know that that's a big part of boot camp and um it's also a big part of our weird sick twisted dark humor that I thoroughly enjoy to this day. Um so that that all stems from embracing that suck and uh it doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't suck. It just it means that you Try to make the best out of your situation and do that through a positive mindset it's and mindset. Uh, yeah, use that humor. So number nine on this list, you must be prepared to face a number of physical and mental challenges from dealing with lack of sleep and inadequate hydration to coping with hunger pains and, and other stressors. Survival can take a huge toll on your body. One of the best things you can do to ensure your survival in just about any situation is to make sure your body and mind are trained to survive. This means motivating yourself to get off your butt and get in shape before it's too late. Um, one of the things that I'm personally working on, uh, just so that if this all does come down, like I know that there are people that are going to rely on me and I need to make sure that I'm mentally and physically prepared to perform. So. Um, the very last thing uh, on this list is uh, shit hits the fan communication issues. You will be cut off from the outside world. In a survival situation, knowledge is going to be a critical factor in determining the ultimate outcome of your situation. The ability to predict what will happen during a survival situation is an important part of being prepared and often comes down to your ability to send and receive information. When power lines go down and the radio stations stop transmitting, there's one line of communication that will survive and be alive and well, and that is a multi-band ham radio. Uh, 
Carrier pigeon also. I had carrier pigeon as well. So um, I know that personally in this room, uh, myself and Bill ha have a um, multi-band radio that we'll be able to communicate with. So, uh, But in our entire, we have a, a social group that this, um, this podcast has spun off of. It's something that we talk about often, and many of our members have gone out and invested in communications. Once the cell phone goes down, once the radio trans, um, the regular FM radio trans, transmissions go down, how are you going to talk to each other? How are you going to coordinate and, and come to locations? So start thinking about those things, but prepare now. Have those rally points in mind, um, it, whether it's just a conversation. Hey, man, if something happens and we lose contact for a couple days, let's all meet at this one location, um, but have those plans in place because we will lose, you know, you see on the news in, in these um, uprisings overseas that have been going on, the very first thing that goes is the internet. Um, once you lose that type of communication, and, you know, with the Internet goes all the telecommunications. So they want you to feel isolated in these situations. So make sure you're taking the steps now to have a plan in place so that you can still talk to the people who you will also rely on in this situation. And statistically speaking, they say in a societal breakdown situation, within 10 days, people start turning to cannibalism. I would say have extra food because a neighbor that isn't hungry is a neighbor that's less likely to <laughs> eat, eat your ass. <laughs> One quick thing, um, and this is new to me. Have you heard of the Defense Production Act of 1950? Yeah, we Trump used it. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, so basically it allows the president to to do some crazy stuff including prohibiting the hoarding of or price gouging of any materials. So one guy I, I can't believe the the exact case but he had bought thousands of masks. Mm. Prior oh, and he got prosecuted. I yeah, he got, yeah, he got he got uh, it was a felony. Yeah, so it, they could do the same thing with your ammo. They could do the same thing with your gun. They could do the same thing with your food. Yeah. If you've got six months worth of food and the local authority and the, and the president puts this out here, I don't know how exactly it would work, but I think there's Yeah, they, there's they legal would be able to there. have the authority to seize that. And, hey, I'm talking to you so, toilet paper stores out yeah, there. Right. <laughs> so keep your stash on the down low. Yeah, so, yeah, don't, don't broadcast that. Hey, that um, those, those 10 scenarios to be thinking about come to you from offgridsurvival.com. That's off OffGridSurvival.com. Check them out. Lots of excellent information just like that that I shared just now. And we'll link, we'll link to that uh, particular article in the show notes. As always, we like to give a health and wellness tip for, for guys out there. And um, this week I'm going to talk about something that I think a lot of us take for granted, and that is the power of sleep. Mm. Um, so real quick, guys, what is – I know, Tim, you, you sleep for shit. So what, yeah. do you, what do you think you average nightly in sleep? Uh, I would I probably average four hours of interrupted sleep every night. And is night, that so. something that's happened since the military, yeah. or was that always before? Yeah. Yeah, it was a uh, last time I slept through the night was literally in boot camp. So, um, and and they just wear you out, and that's a, a lot to do with it. So it's, it's been a long-term struggle. I know that um, that is probably the number one thing that wears on the veteran community. It's uh, the lack of sleep. But overall, um, none of us in as adult men are are getting the correct amount of sleep. I don't think, and, and so it's something that we all need to focus on. But I am all ears for this section. Bill, Hopefully, you, you guys got? can what, give what, me some. What do you? Uh, what's your sleep? Uh, uh, habits pop. Uh, I, what do you, what does it look like? I, if I had to average, I'd say six, six and a half. I, my problem for me is once I get to a point where my head can actually stop and I can get into sleep, I find that it's time just to wake up right again. Cause I, <laughs> no, because well, what uh, I mean by that is yes. like, I, oh, I like to get up. I like to get up like early. Cause I feel like if I don't have most of my stuff done, by 10 a.m., like, I just wasted my day. Um, but 
Yeah, I I think the last time I actually got full rest, full like a whole night's sleep was when I had the Rona. Well, I'm going to piss you guys off and a lot of our listeners because I am a great sleeper. I have, and I understand it is a gift. I've been a good sleeper my entire life. All through college, I averaged about 12 hours, Jesus. 12 hours what? of sleep, you 12 hours of sleep son of a night. bitch. Uh, even, son of a bitch. Even through the year, <laughs> early years of my marriage, I was you know a 10, 11, 12 hour night sleeper. <laughs> I got know. kids. What, I, what you does you do that? What do you go to bed at I, like six? No, I, you know you go to bed. Well, you know. Damn, dude, that's crazy. I'm envious. That's the only real job. I was delivering pizzas for a living. So, I mean, I go to bed at midnight and sleep till noon. Jeez. I mean, even now I can sleep. I can sleep nine, ten hours. I, when I was in college, I managed a record store. I had to be there at six in the morning, but I wouldn't get home because the bars didn't close to like two, so I wouldn't get home to like three thirty. So I go home, literally take a two hour nap ish, and then shower and do it all over again. Hey, so the Marine Corps, the way it works is like you will go out drinking till three, four in the morning, and then you got to get up to PT at five thirty, and um, so you go on a run, you sweat all that out. But I w- we were allowed to take a two-hour nap uh, from uh, eleven nice. to one. Nice. I still take a nap though, like oh, sure. yeah. It's although I do not yeah. sleep through the night, I I do take a nap almost any uh, every afternoon, and um, that's been very beneficial to me. But anyway, let's get to these tips and see what we yeah, can do to help so all of us get some sleep. Five signs your sleep habits aren't working for you. Number one, your mind is foggy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> <We're all like, laughs> well, let's let's Check. let's be specific. It's, it's without any uh, uh, oh, okay in your window. Mind-altering substances. Uh, what we experience and learn gets cemented to memory while we sleep. Interference with this process causes redu- reduced alertness and concentration, confusion, impaired judgment, and forgetfulness. So we've all experienced that, right? When we haven't got enough sleep and we're just... Scatterbrain. Wait, what are we talking about? <laughs> Wait, isn't that how people function in the house anyway? We have an inability to, inability to focus and then those types of things. That's normal. What are you talking about? Yeah. It's not, though. It's not. It's not. I'm here yeah. to tell you. Huh. Well, yeah, you get 13 hours of sleep a day. I mean, my, mind is, my mind's foggy because I slept too much. <laughs> You're unhappy. Sign number two, you are unhappy. While we sleep, we produce fresh neurotransmitters and regulate hormone production. If interference here causes impaired regulation of emotions, heightened stress, low mood, possible increase in the risk of depression. So that. you're irritable, yeah. right? Cranky. Tired. Cranky you're pants. Cranky. Yep. Yeah. Get cranky. You're getting sick a lot. Number three. Third sign, your sleep habits aren't working for you. You're getting sick a lot. When we don't sleep enough, T-cells go down and inflammation goes up, resulting in increased vulnerability to viruses and bacteria. Acute increase in risk of getting sick and an increased risk of heart disease and other inflammation-related illnesses. So that's kind of scary. Yeah, tie that in. Tie that into COVID because you know the natural body response um, when you're exposed to COVID is generating those T cells. So if you're not getting enough sleep, that could lead uh, you down to being very susceptible to these viruses. Yeah, that's the. I mean, uh, I think we can all uh, we can all live with a foggy mind and being uh, (laughs) grumpy, you know, unhappy. But uh, the fact that uh, um, uh, poor sleep habits are helping or not helping us, they're actually causing us to be become more susceptible to viruses in today's day and age. That's scary because we're probably due for China to release another virus any day now. Mm-hmm. Um, number four, you're struggling with your weight. Poor sleep is linked to excess body fat as it can disrupt appetite regulation, cause you to feel hungrier, and lead to increased calorie intake. So 
You're grumpy, you wake up, you don't get enough sleep, your mind's foggy, man, that McDonald's drive-thru looks good. Let's get a big black coffee, and while I'm here, why don't I get a couple breakfast burritos? Yeah, and I'll tell you, like, that's one of the things, when I'm not sleeping through the night, it's like, I'm hungry, and I, um, that's one of the things I've gotten away from with this intermittent fasting, but I, one of my worst habits is eating in the middle of the night, and it, it's really stemmed from what I'm discovering now, that it could possibly have been stemming from, uh, the lack of sleep to begin with, so that's a pretty good tip that I will be paying attention to. I gotta be honest with you. I'd rather lick asphalt than to eat McDonald's. All right. Well, that's. You know that. I'm real glad quick tangent, there is a. Real you kind of yeah, drew yeah, that yeah, word out was, a little longer. I was, I was like, "Where's Bill going with this one?" <laughs> yeah. Asphalt. Uh, anyways, asphalt. Asphalt. Um, asphalt. It's one word. <laughs> real quick, we were coming back from Florida, and I stopped at the Tampa. We were in the airport, and I saw a Chick Fil A sign. I'm like, yes, I love Chick-fil-A. And it's relative, I know, it's relatively healthy compared to other fast foods. Walk up, I forgot what day it was. Sunday. Oh, Sunday. Closed. closed By that point, Sunday. my mouth's watering thinking uh, about fast food, Chick-fil-A. Wendy's right next door. Got a Dave's Double. And I made the mistake of, when I took a bite, of just biting the actual meat, because it was kind of hanging over. You know how they're squares and they hang over a little bit? Mm-hmm. That's not, that's not, that's not hamburger. No, I just. It has zero flavor. Dude, I just did the exact same thing after drinking. I go to get McDonald's with my wife, and on the, the way back, I reach in the bag for a fry, but I didn't get the fry, so I, I pulled out the patty. And I ate the patties straight. I will never eat McDonald's patties again. Like, how oh. gross was that? That's not a burger. Like, I don't even know what the that was. The only thing that but, makes it uh, taste good is everything together. Yeah. But when you uh. make a nice burger at home, I, yeah. I eat burgers I keep a lot burger straight. Yeah. I almost yacked just retelling that story. It was so gross. And they're gray. And Ugh. they're oh. stuck L- with Like, me. literally, listen to that. I want to walk outside, kneel down on the road, and lick it. Then they rather have to go to either of those Asphalt. Places. One word. Asphalt. Yes. <laughs> No pause in between. No pause. All right. <laughs> Finally, the fifth sign your sleep habits aren't working for you, and this is assuming that you work out, but your workouts feel too hard. Our body uses sleep as an opportuni- opportunity to refresh neurotransmitter levels and remove energy-draining metabolites. If we don't do that, we, do, we, we experience decreased central nervous system activity, slower reaction time, low energy and endurance capacity, and depressed mood. I think we've all been there when we're working out. Some days you're just not feeling it. Maybe maybe you're sleep even even though you lay down seven eight hours maybe there wasn't a sound sleep you know they got those tracking apps now that my wife she loves tracking her sleep on an Apple Watch I won't wear an Apple Watch and I because I don't want them knowing what I'm doing um, and I don't wear a watch period but she loves looking at that and I, there's some there's some merit to tracking your sleep and how deep you sleep and when you get, go through the various cycles waking up in specific cycles of sleep but yeah we've all been there where we're you know. You're in the military. You got a you got a long ruck ahead of you, and you slept for shit, or you're hungover, and some days are tougher than others. Yeah, sure. totally. And you know, I think my biggest issue personally is like once I wake up for any reason, like I am awake, like I'm ready to go, and then so um, you so know that, that you know that too. Off. You said yeah. once I'm your brain starts, way. so yeah, yeah have so to. we have to specifically for you guys, and that's a lot of people out there. My wife's the same way. As soon as she wakes up to go to the bathroom, her mind starts racing. We have to develop tools and protocols for you guys to get back into sleep. I am definitely going to be working on <laughs> this aspect of it, so I definitely appreciate so the, about, the info. Let's talk about preparing for a good night's sleep. Wake at the right time. You'll feel better and more alert if you wake from a light sleep stage. If you feel groggy, consider a device or app that senses sleep cycles and rouses you at an optimal point. Have you woken up when you're just in a coma before? Oh, yeah. Like your alarm is going off and you hear it in your sleep, but you can't move because you're in the wrong cycle to be waking up. Hmm. That happens to me. 
quite often. Be awakened by light. This naturally raises cortisol, which is a good thing in the morning. The slow rise helps you feel alert and relaxed. So they make these lights that you set your alarm for, let's say, 5.30 in the morning. At about 5.15, it slowly starts to brighten hmm. brighten the room. And that, that helps you because the body, we're supposed to sleep and rise and everything with the sun, right? Yeah. Hmm. Get moving right away. Movement seems to speed the waking process, whereas hitting snooze increases sleep inertia. When it's time to wake, sit up, put your feet on the floor. Find the sun. Light exposure sets your daily melatonin rhythm. This increases wakefulness during the day and helps your body gear down at bedtime. Be careful of alcohol and caffeine intake. Consuming consuming caffeine after 2 p.m. and or having more than one or two drinks in the evening can interfere with deep sleep. That's one thing I've noticed is I fall asleep really quickly when I have had a few, but my sleep sucks. I wake up, oh, I'm dehydrated. Ten hours instead of no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. I'm only able to get it seven and a half hours at that point. Oh, no, yeah. but you wake up, you're dehydrated. You have to go to, the, to go to the bathroom. Yada yada yada. Yeah, dehydration and, and sleep is the worst. <clears throat> you, well, you're because not you're going to wake up. Like when, so, I had a kidney transplant, and when I was going through dialysis for like five years, if they would take the wrong amount of fluid off, I'd wake up in the middle of the night with the worst Charlie horses, and at that point. You're awake. Like, if that happens, there's, and if I drink too much, and I'm not. So I've learned if I have a drink of whatever, I always have a, a water chaser the same to, to back that up so I'm not dehydrated. So that, like, you know, just. Well, that, uh, that's exactly what alcohol does. Um, right. And a, a tip that we've uh, been implementing recently, um, you know, I'm a Marine. I was born in a bar. I, I do like to throw some back, but uh, Pedialyte before we go to bed. Yes. Um, hey, yeah. but the convenience stores around here have kind of caught on. If you buy Pedialyte, the off-brand at the convenience store, it's like six ninety nine. And is it right next to the alcohol? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but no. It, it, <laughs> hey, hey, that's works but um absolutely uh what bill's saying is be hydrated and and um if you're going out on a, a night of drinking anyway uh it helps your sleep but alcohol takes away that rem sleep so um yeah anyway excellent tips here more tips here. more tips exercise regular exercise helps normalize your body's 24-hour clock regulate your flight or fight or flight system and optimize your hormone levels however be careful with very intense exercise later in the evening it may be harder to fall asleep Eat a small to medium dinner. Too much food can make it harder to fall asleep. A blend of minimally processed proteins, carbs, and fats can help you keep you satisf- satisfied until morning. Plus, having some slow digesting carbs can make you feel sleepy. Limit fluids. This is obvious. Don't drink a bunch of fluids right before bed because you're going to have to go to the bathroom. Clear your mind. This is what you guys got to work on. Whatever thoughts are in your head, get them out and onto paper. This preps you for genuine relaxation. So maybe, do you guys do any sort of journaling before you go to bed? No. That might be a good idea. Uh, just maybe even putting a to-do list or something, that's a stream of consciousness that you well, have. Well, you know what's interesting? One thing I have found that when I do, laugh if you like, but one thing I've found I do do that I normally get a better night's sleep is there's a couple of channels on YouTube um, that one of them is called Discovering Ringworm, and it's a guy who has like 50 acres in North Michigan, and literally it's him cultivating his acreage and building stuff. So I just find that completely relaxing, and I normally end up falling asleep halfway through, and then I'm good to the morning. So, and you know what's been putting me to sleep recently is the um, Hitler series on uh, the the History Channel, and I don't know why, but. He's fiery, but he bores the shit out of me because he's insane. So, <laughs> that's I, a remarkable uh, endorsement. <laughs> when I uh, 
when I uh, weird, yeah. work, work third shift, you know, you'd have your first day of the week is Sunday night, so I have to go into Sunday at seven o'clock. PGA golf in the summer. Oh yeah, that it's. I have a hard time staying awake watching golf now because I'm so so used to you know it just become ingrained in my brain that when I hear those soft tones of those guys mm-hmm. talking, that constant verbal diarrhea underneath the action on the screen, it relaxes me and I want to fall to fall asleep. Like they're all washed up NPR yeah. announcers. Right. <laughs> uh, go to sleep. Sticking to a reasonable bedtime teaches your body when to release calming hormones to help you fall asleep. Don't wait until midnight. Oh, this is interesting. Every hour of sleep before te- 12 a.m. is worth two hours after. Huh. That's fantastic. Mm, that's a good... Sleep at least, at least seven hours. Turn off electronics. Remove your eyes from all devices at least 30 minutes before bed. Artificial light interferes with our production of melatonin, which ensures deep sleep and may help regulate metabolism. De-stress. Reading, meditation, and gentle movement, i.e. stretching, yoga, walking, sex. Can't... I don't know about gentle movement. Uh, can release <laughs> tension and activate calm down chemicals. Take a bath or shower. There's uh, a lot of studies that show that warm water. Um, I, uh, me and the missus sit in the hot tub quite a bit before bed, which is nice. Create a relaxing sleep area. Your bedroom should be quiet, peaceful, relatively organized, and free of anxiety-inducing clutter. If you live in an urban area, consider a white noise machine to drown out city sounds. We sleep with a fan on. Box fan. Set your room to an appropriate temperature. Most people sleep better when it's cool, around 67. Others sleep better at a uh, neutral temperature. Find what's best for you. So that maybe maybe mess with the, the temperature too, guys. What, yeah, do, you, I, what do you sleep? I keep at? it cold. I have a fan running also. I, so. I'm like the electric blanket, windows open person. So and fans on. Like yeah. <laughs> um, I also have um, like really bad tinnitus. So having that uh, the sound like breaks it up. But man, I can't sleep at all without a fan on. So. Mm-hmm. So that are that was some uh, some some uh, info on sleep, guys. The value of and how to get a better night's sleep. It's probably something that guys like us can do. Guys, guys that are making shit happen on the daily basis take for granted. Um, you know, diet, exercise, those are givens. We we understand that we need to have those on point. But let's work on our sleep game too, guys. Yeah, that was a good one, dude. Thank you. Yeah, that's, no, that's excellent. Yeah. Excellent information. Yeah, that no, I will, and I will look into implement. some. Waking up in the middle of the night protocols for you guys. This, this is we talked about this before because we talked about exercise. But what I do in order to get us when my mind starts racing, I actually start a, I do a workout in my head. Hmm. Like I go, I'm I walk through a workout in my head. I go downstairs and I usually by the time I get the pull ups, I'm done. Hmm. It's weird. I've been I've done that for a long time. Right. A long time. My wife's tip is like she says she goes around and turns off compartments, like switching a light in her brain. And I'm like, that's cool. But she that's she lays cool. down for five minutes. She's asleep. I'm like an hour. Um, oh, takes I'm... me to fall asleep. I feel like we're getting a little long here on uh, the episode, so we should probably pump on to what is next. Men of dishonor. <clears throat> so what do we have this week, Tim? So, this week we're hitting up Florida Man. There you go. Life is back to normal. Back to normal. Florida Man arrested at Waffle House after an (laughs) alleged outburst over bacon. That's just the report. Police say Mr. Alvarez was upset about how his bacon was delivered. A Florida man was arrested last Wednesday for allegedly causing a disturbance at a Cape Coral waffle house over the way his bacon was cooked. 
according to report. You guys are laughing like we we can't relate all of a sudden. Martin Jose Alvarez, 28, is facing charges of disorderly intoxication, resisting an officer, and simple assault. You better cook the fucking bacon right. Martin Jose Alvarez is accused of yelling. How did he want it? How did he want it? According to uh, Florida Local 10 News, Police said Alvarez was upset about how his bacon was delivered. The Tampa Free Press reported that Alvarez is accused of shouting racial slurs at the workers <laughs> and resisting arrest until they threatened him with a taser. Hey, your bacon's about to get fried for real now, mate. Oh, <laughs> uh, Port said Alvarez is, Alvarez is facing those charges of disorderly intoxication, resisting an officer, and simple assault. He is currently held at the Lee County Jail. Wait a minute. So, it did, it did, it did well, not tell it. us oh, what he wanted, but apparently um, well, well, Waffle House is more of a you get what you get. And in you his defense, it. though, if the bacon's not cooked right. No, I, I, I'm agreeing. What I want to yeah. know is, so if you if you send me crispy bacon that, that if you touch it, busts in a bunch of pieces, that's garbage to me. That's what my wife likes, but that's burnt. I like bacon, so when you hold it up, you can kind of almost you can still kind of see through it. I don't know that I like it you, really you spent a lot of time at the Waffle House then. <laughs> no, no. I, I, Waffle I, House, I don't think they I, I think give you custom bacon settings. Yeah, there's also realistic <laughs> expectations that Mr. Alvarez should have set for himself. They should, hey. Every Waffle House should have a 24-7 camera, or there should be one main one <laughs> yeah. that live streams. Because TV. my wife and I, at my 30th <laughs> high school reunion over there on 44, it's... Um, Oh, what's that? Anyways, there's a Waffle House over there, and we went in that Waffle House at 3 o'clock in the morning and sat there, and we had a fantastic meal. The people that came in there were some of the... It was amazing. Yeah, the people it was amazing. If the, yeah, the people watching is... It's hey, next level. I, I used next to level? eat a lot at um, the Waffle House when I was a cop in South Phoenix because, you know, they're they're open 24 hours until I arrested one of the cooks. And then I was like, oh, my God, you're – I was like, where do you work? His, he was nasty. He was obviously on a lot of drugs, and his arms were all, you know, sores and all Wait this a stuff. Wait a minute. I took the Waffle House? Yeah. Not, Imagine not, that. Not, not a chef. No offense to it's a, Yeah, this, no. This episode is <laughs> almost ready, ready to make me swear off going out to eat. <laughs> from from the What's McDonald's your favorite restaurant? Because I probably yeah. Jen's worked at almost every restaurant in the area. I'll probably I can tell you something. I don't. Well, I, I, so it's Don Tequila's actually. Uh, I like okay, Don well, listen. No, I'm just. <laughs> I like Don Tequila's too. So let's not talk about that one. No. Yeah. So hey, that uh, Florida man, hey, you're a little bit dishonorable. If you're only gonna go to Waffle House, eat the freaking bacon how they get it, or go somewhere else. Don't don't start a fight and throw racial slurs. Uh, it's kind of a weak if you're bringing racial slurs yeah, into yeah, your that, bacon. Conversation. I mean, Come on, I'm, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm as uh, um, pro bacon as the next guy, but I don't think we need to get <laughs> racial when it comes to that. All right, this this episode's called Action, guys. Is get out there and start some brush fires. You know, if you're listening to this show this long, this many episodes in, you are like minded, but you also know people that are teetering and can, can come to our side if you just pull them over. You know guys that want to be honorable. You know guys that want to fight the good fight to stand up to tyranny. Get in their, get in their mind a little bit. Get in, their, get in their ear a little bit. You know, just give them little quotes, little tidbits here and there. Just, you don't, don't dump on them with a, with a shit ton of stuff. Do little step-by-step like Sam Adams and those guys did before the revolution, and you'll slowly win people to our cause. So that's, that's this week's call to action. Um, like those brush fires, guys. Brush fires of freedom in the minds of men. 
Show sponsor, Patch Ops. Tim. Hey, Patch Ops and PatchOps.com. We make the baddest patches and decals on the planet. Um, we're gaining, gaining a lot. We're growing. So check us out sometime. We're proud sponsors of the Honorable Man podcast. Uh, our Instagram, at Patch Operations. Our Twitter, at Patch Operations. And we're Patch Ops on Facebook. So check them out. Right on, right on. Producer Bill, what do you got to plug, brother? Uh, just please check out our podcast, Flawedcast, Flawedcast CLE. Flawedcast. Yeah. Uh, appreciate that. Subscribe, share with that. And, and you know, pick up, pick up my book if you haven't gotten it yet. Smith's Automated Repair Manual. I uh, guarantee, once again, to echo their sentiment, if you've been listening with us this long, you're probably going to dig it, I think. I'm completely unbiased, of course, but... Well, thanks, you guys. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you guys, as always. Um, thanks to the listener. Um, Tim, tell them about uh, where they can find us on social, that kind of thing. Hey, so you can find us wherever you find podcasts, but um, our main website will direct you. That's www.thehonorablemanpodcast.com. Our Facebook page, The Honorable Man Podcast. Like, share, comment. uh, Tell us what you think. Talk to us. Uh, I will definitely respond. So, um, yeah. Yeah, Tim's on those. I am on Gab on The Honorable Man Podcast. That is the only social that I am a member of or... um, am active on um so look look for the honorable man podcast on gab guys the world needs honorable men more than ever it's time to get out there step up get involved and be honorable see you next week